Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good noon time, good noon 30, good midnight, good midnight, whatever time of day it is. See, I want you to know that I'm Lynn Ferguson, and I approve this message. I'm Lynn Ferguson, also known as Lynn Tennyson, your host here on the show, Lynn's Spends, a podcast dedicated to Black life in America and all over the world in music. So you all, today we will be discussing Crush a k-pop icon who's beloved by many internationally who just recently made the news for snubbing some of his black fans in the very 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 front row of his concert want to know more about this horrible situation that's very redolent of the sesame place fiasco well you just sit back relax grab a snack and let's let's jump in lens have you have you heard (laughs) i had to hit you with the paid programming (laughs) welcome to the show everyone again i'm lynn ferguson and i want to start off with an article uh, that gets into what exactly happened with this singer a korean singer crush accused of discriminating against Black fans at a music festival uh, by Chada Jackson through Yahoo News. This was published October 13th of this year. It goes on to read, two Black fans shared a video of them being skipped over for high fives at a soul music festival that Korean artist Crush performed at on October 9th, my brother's birthday, Christian Ferguson Day, as recently proclaimed by the city of St. Louis. K-pop fans on Twitter were furious after claims were made that South Korean R&B artist Crush ignored two Black fans when he was high-fiving other fans at a Korean festival 2022 Sunday Pleroma. Twitter user Tolupio set in a now private tweet, so I have decided to post it. Here it is. The people crush says no to is my roommate and I. You can see my hand go down. I have dark skin, so it stands out right after. I don't think crush should get away with this. I want other people to know what he did. It's over for crush. He purposely skipped them. He lied on Instagram apology. Uh, hashtag crush must fall. Uh, pick.twitter.com that's the link later the twitter user's roommate uh, Brina Axby was also who was also at the event chimed in to say in a tweet um, now private it yeah I'm the roommate for this to happen to us firsthand really broke my heart I've never experienced blatant discrimination like this in my entire life especially since he was one of my favorite uh, or was my favorite artist. It hurts so bad. The Korean artist released a statement a day later addressing the incident, claiming the reason he skipped over them was because he had to refrain from giving out high fives with the fans in a particular section, in particular sections, as a safety precaution. He wrote in a statement, I sincerely apologize for the misunderstanding that my actions may have caused. I love each and every one of my fans and I would never discriminate not fav- nor favor anyone. 
this full statement is, hi everyone, I just wanted to address the issue revolving around the audience uh, interaction from my performance last night at the 2022 Sunday Pleroma Festival. I've been away for roughly two years and being on, uh, and being able to perform on stage with my dearest fans in the audience was such an unforgettable and unrated experience. I naturally and instinctively walked towards and reached down to the crowd. Um, that's, I guess, not the full statement, but that's one of his statements. Though further controversy ensued as people discovered that the artist had in the past participated in blackface. While in the Korean show King of Mask Singer, Crush wore a mask of Nico, who is widely considered to be a black caricature from a popular 90s Korean cartoon. The excuse was that the mask is based off uh, the Korean cartoon Nico, uh, which is also just Sambo lips and blackface. And that was written by a Twitter named Han, who goes by they and them. Making matters worse, some on Twitter noted that the singer deleted his former posts about the Black Lives Matter movement from 2020. People are saying Crush deleted his Black Lives Matter posts. Him choosing to delete them right now is very racist, like what the fuck. EMZ uh, posted October 10th. This incident isn't the first time Black K-pop fans have complained about discrimination coming from the Korean artists or within fandoms. It will likely not be the last. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to think that someone paid. They were in the very, very front. If you look up the video, they were in the very, very, very front. And it was just like what took place with the Black children at Sesame Place when they were skipped um, and passed up by um, the person playing the Rosita character. Um, You know, uh, and then immediately she started high-fiving everyone else after she passed them. Um, and of course she high-fighted everyone before she passed them. So it's like literally just the two black girls you passed up and that's literally what just happened to these two black grown women or um, at least, you know, um, a black grown woman and her friend. And um, I can't recall if the other person was a man or a woman, but this, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, and within no time, like within no time of the Sesame Place incident, we've got this. It's, it's, I mean, isn't it crazy? Isn't it absolutely crazy? And you paid all this money to sit in the front seat, the front row of this concert to see your favorite singer of all time. And not only do you find out he's racist in that moment, but the way you find out is so tragic. Teen Vogue, Sandra Song, uh, wrote an article March 15th of 2017. We need to talk, excuse me, we need to hold K-pop idols accountable for their racist actions. It's a big problem. Earlier this month, K-pop group, girl group, Mamamoo, landed in some hot water after a video clip of the quartet and what may many interpreted to be blackface aired at the Seoul concert their soul concert. As Pop Crush reports, the Grave Brand a parody video themselves performing Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars' Uptown Funk in which they donned the same outfits featured in the original video, as well as some ill-conceived and highly offensive face paint. It was an incident that rightly 
incurred significant backlash from their international fan base, who took to Tumblr and Twitter alike to take the group to task. As a result, the group apologized via Facebook the next day, admitting there was no excuse for their insensitive actions. Uh, We were extremely ignorant of backface and did not understand the implications of our actions they posted. Of course they were ignorant because everyone in this world is is somehow ignorant to blackface um, and its detrimental, you know, effects on black people and on the culture as a whole, that they somehow simultaneously know exactly what blackface is, so much so that they want to replicate it. So you learned about everything having to do with blackface, including how to apply it, except what you needed to know that would have kept you from this ridiculous situation and having to apologize. You're dumb. It's just, it's so dumb. We will be taking time to understand more about our international fans to ensure this never happens again. We hope that you will help to educate us on these and other issues so that we can become better people and better artists. They know what they're doing. They know what they did. They don't need us to help them become better artists. It's them passing the buck off to us so that we have to take accountability for educating them and also give them another chance because if they weren't educated, how could we hold them accountable? Unfortunately, this is not the first time blatant racism has been spotted in K-pop, which has a history of notorious missteps when it comes to race. Over the years, many of K-pop's biggest stars from CL to Faying uh, to keep epic or eight, have faced criticism for their tone-deaf, blatantly appropriative actions. And to bring this all back to Mamamoo, uh, one of the group's members, Kwasa, came under fire for singing the N-word in her cover of Beyonce's Irreplaceable just a few weeks ago. Grab all your bags in it because I made you mad to get it. Don't you ever get to thinking you're irreplaceable. Where did where does she say the N word in the lyrics? Not that it, not that that would excuse her, you know, um, saying this. But like, did she just throw the N word in the lyrics? Because Beyonce, we're not gonna pretend that she's never said the N word before. But like, she doesn't use that word often in her music, and I don't recall that song being or that word being an irreplaceable. Maybe I've just heard the clean versions too often. I don't know. But this is this is the shit. This this be the shit. Mamamoo isn't even the first K-pop group or artist to down blackface. In 2012, Big Bang's G Dragon, who have been called the biggest band in Asia, posted a horrific photo that many believe was a reference to Trayvon Martin an unarmed black teen who was gunned down by a vigilante neighborhood watchdog. Of course, G-Dragon's rep told told Spin that the photo was a huge misunderstanding. It's baffling to realize that we still need to explain how and why the concept of blackface is so offensive. Putting on face paint to pretend to be a different race is never okay. Blackface has a fraught history rooted in minstrel shows uh, where white actors would don grease paint and act out racist stereotypes of black people. 
And brownface, which has also recently become an issue in K-pop, also minimizes an entire race of complex, nuanced people down to a costume. So why do we keep seeing these pop stars continually blunder with racist actions? It might help to view K-pop's race problem as a reflection of Korea's long-standing issues with racism and colorism, not that it makes it okay. One study, for instance, says that Korea, despite being rich, well-educated, peaceful, is also ethnically homogenous and demonstrates trends that coincide with racial intolerance. The most damning of this evidence, um, more than one in three South Koreans don't want a neighbor of a different race, according to the results of a 2010 report by the World Values Survey. So if K-pop is the ultimate manifestation of Korean pop culture, then it's essential we call out K-pop groups when they do something racist or offensive. If they're going to become one of the most visible importers and adopters of Western pop culture, then idols in their record labels who are just as complicit as they are often the ones in control of everything from a group style to their songs need to educate them. You know, I'm 28 years old. I just turned 28, October 5th. And it really doesn't seem like that was a month and a half ago, but it was. But I grew up in love with anime. The very first anime that I ever saw is, we're kind of segueing a little bit into anime versus uh, K-pop, but it's still pop culture. Um, and we also are segueing into Japanese culture um, and J-pop versus um, Korean culture and pop. But I grew up, I remember the first anime I remember seeing is Yu Yu Hakusho. I was like six or seven, I was like seven or eight years old. I was in the basement of my house on Flat and it was the first thing that showed when Adult Swim came on, or it was the last thing that showed on Toonami. I don't know if Toonami was going back then, but it was amazing. It's absolutely amazing. This is back when, I believe when, um, um, it's like 2003, uh, when um, it would go Cartoon Network, then Toonami, um, then um, Adult Swim. And instead of just like straight from kid cartoons to adult cartoons, they had a like middle-aged, teen, early 20s transition period. And, you know, they play like Totally Spies, Koryoko, um, Inuyasha, Yu Hakusho, things like that. But I remember Hamtaro, Sailor Moon, I remember seeing Yu Yu Hakusho and it was the episode in particular when he was one of the first episodes when he met Hiei. It might have been the first episode or the second. No, it wasn't. It was one of those, though. It was in the first season when he met Hiei. And Hiei, you know, basically fought him and was, like, holding his girlfriend captive. And Yusuke had to basically try to save her. And it's just so crazy because it's, like, immediately... I was in awe. I mean, jaw drop, like staring at the screen, 
glued to the screen the entire episode. Like, the commercials came on, I didn't get up, I just sat there and waited for the show to come back on. I was that hooked. And it was amazing. And ever since then, I always wanted to watch that show, but I never knew when it came on or what to do to find it. So, like, I just didn't really get to watch it until um, once in a blue moon I would catch an episode here or there. Um, But I didn't really finish the series and watch it in full until, and in order, until... I was 12, 13, and my, I was 14 in my first year of freshman, of high school. And I was in love. And of course, in those years, seven, eight, nine years old, I also grew up with Inuyasha, Sailor Moon. Um, I had um, certain Miyazaki films on VHS, like Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, um, House Moving Castle, um, things like that. But I remember being shunned and like people, you know, basically saying that it, it's not appropriate for a black person to be into anime, you know? And it's really crazy because it's like, so you're trying to tell me that I can't be infatuated with anime. I can't be obsessed with it. I can't like Yu Yu Hakusho, Kokios, Bleach, Death Note, Fairy Tale, um, you know, the original Hunter Hunter, fuck the new shit. You know, I can't do that without being a contradiction. Hold up, I'm trying to make this make sense because I could have sworn Wu-Tang Clan was a thing. You do know Wu-Tang Clan literally got its name from the Shaolin and Wu-Tang movie. You do know that they incorporated martial arts films from the 80s and 70s and 90s into their art, into their flows, into their raps consistently. And that's what made them so renowned and so appreciated and successful. Black and Asian, especially Northeastern Asian culture, go together very well. Very well. They always have. Even back in the 70s, which is a lot of what the um, Wu-Tang Clan was uh, was hearkening to. Um, back in the 70s, you can look at a lot of the uh, martial arts um Uh, obsession with a lot of Black people or adoption by a lot of Black people, um, kung fu and things like that, you know? This isn't a thing that just started, you know? And if you look at a lot of the old anime, you know, they've always included us in anime. So a lot of people want to talk this shit about Black people, but it's like we were included before anybody else before white people were included or anybody else is included, intentionally included, because we do have to, you know, mind the fact that, you know, uh, Japanese animation has always been drawn, not always, but for the most part, 
has always been drawn to look like white people. And then then people get mad when, you know, Ghost in the Shell is cast with Scarlett Johansson. Well, when your animes look like Scarlett Johansson and every other white girl from Europe, like, except with, like, super outlandish bodaciousness, like, yeah, it's just crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I want to get into an article titled How Black Fans Contribute to Anime's Widespread Popularity Through Medium. And I just wanted to be duly noted that Yusuke Yoromoshi is right on the front of this, along with uh, Ichigo Kurosaki, um, Goku, um, Naruto, uh, or excuse me, Naruto, um, the main character from One Piece, and um, two other guys I don't recognize as well. Exploring Black anime fandom and their use of social media platforms to honor the shows they've grown to love. And this is by Onike Brown. Anime made its first monumental appearance in the U.S. in the 1960s through the show Astro Boy. I remember that. So it does go as far back as the 60s. Okay. Originating from Japan. Anime is an animated film and television art form, sometimes based off of manga, which are comic and graphic novels. They can cover a wide variety of themes and storylines that attract all age groups. However, it wasn't until the 1990s where anime became mainstream in American culture. Television stations like Cartoon Network and the Sci-Fi Channel aired anime at times when younger age groups would be watching. Toonami on Cartoon Network became the main source for anime for fans uh, at this time. Shows like Sailor Moon, Gundam Wing, Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, and films like Ghost in the Shell inspired the Matrix movies, um, by the way, and Princess Mononoke helped make anime a permanent influence in Black American culture. From the 2000s to now, anime remains a hit thanks to the internet. The United States has the highest demand for anime than any other country in the world. There are streaming services that allow subscribers to keep up to date with their favorite shows. For the first time, a person can access hundreds of different kinds of anime at their fingertips. And for the first time, the ever-changing and growing phenomena of social media has evolved the way anime spreads in American pop culture, popular culture. Black fans in particular have found inspiration from their favorite animes to create their own art and have used social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok to share them. According to Sheena C. Howard and Ronald L. Jackson, authors of Black comics, uh, politics of race and representation, the internet and social media has played a critical role in helping Black anime fans gain access to one another. They find support a sense of community and fulfillment by participating in online communities. Rapper Megan Thee Stallion participated in a live Instagram interview with Crunchyroll, a popular anime, uh, American anime streaming service, to talk about her anime favorites. On top of that, she released merch for her Savage remix with Beyonce that features Black anime characters drawn by artist McFly. Mm, okay, Margie McFly. 
And that's at underscore McFly, by the way. Or excuse me, at MC underscore F-L-Y-Y. Black filmmakers like King Vader and RDC World One have met huge success on YouTube by creating hilarious anime skits that have landed them millions of views, subscribers, and fame. I wonder if um, either of those are the people who created um, Anime Wars. In an interview with BET, Vader spoke about his time. Y'all, there is something up here on YouTube called Hood Naruto the Movie. I'm definitely going to have to watch that. Facebook has provided an avenue for groups, some filled with over 700,000 members, to convene over their anime favorites, creating viral memes, short films, and music. Black creators have transformed the way anime is viewed and consumed by participating in these groups. However, while dealing with racist and problematic anime fans and large social media fandom gatherings, many have decided to create safe spaces themselves. Cosplayers are fans who dress up as their favorite anime characters throughout the years. Black cosplayers have been met with an array of racist comments from non-Black fandom online that tell them they are not allowed to dress as fair-skinned characters or hurl racist epithets uh, toward them. Otaku Central is a New York City-based Facebook group with over 5,000 members created by college students Norval McKenzie, 21, and Seychelle Steele, 19. Most anime is about acceptance and friendship, something that the Black community, unfortunately, is severely lacking. Steele shares with me, the reason why we created this group is because of the disservice and inconsideration other groups had for many of their members. We are tired of pedophiles and racists, so we created a place where otakus can be themselves and no judgment and non-racist zone. Mackenzie tells me otaku is a Japanese word to dis- used to describe hardcore anime fan. My favorite thing about Otaku Central is that it's mostly Black people, so people feel comfortable to express all their feelings about anime and post their cosplay without facing backlash. Mackenzie also told me it is important to create such a safe space for Black people to enjoy anime because it was once looked at as taboo, where we face judgment and bad looks for watching Japanese cartoons. But here at Taku Central, it was important for us to create a welcoming environment where they wouldn't feel judged and be around a predominantly Black group to show that they are actually, there are actually a lot of Black anime lovers. Henry Mwaru, uh, AKA Animated Intellectual AI, started bringing animated social media through discussions in Facebook groups since he was in high school. Now a recent Brooklyn College graduate, his love for anime is still going strong. He now has an anime content page on most social media mediums, going viral a handful of times. It's interesting to see how anime has become so much more prominent, thanks to, in no small part, accessibility. It went from this niche community to this global powerhouse. Anime as a medium has essentially perfected the art of taking gripping stories with deep meanings and giving life to them. Uh, I said a mix of it in them because them is what grammatically is correct, but she put it. Anime has mastered the art of spectacle in every way, and it makes a visceral connection with people. Nwaru told me as he reflected on the role anime has made in American culture and himself. Could have been worded a little bit better. (laughs) Onike, but okay, gotcha. In the year 2017, 
in the year 2016 to 2017. Okay. Rapper, that's two years, but okay. Rapper and content creator Jonathan um, Apollon, aka Apollo Fresh from Broward County, Florida, gained traction when late rapper XXXTension, um, Stintation, Tation, um, reposted his song Ghoulish on SoundCloud. Recently, he has gone viral again on TikTok because of his song Jojo Pose. Um, the Jojo Pose challenge or Pose challenge has since erupted from Jojo Pose, where fans pose, oh, pose, um, pose to the rhythm of his song, mimicking pictures of their favorite characters from anime. Anime is my friend and was always there for me, especially when I felt most alone. Anime is my philosophical and spiritual teacher. Anime means hope for art that connects to the and empowers youth. Apollo shares with me. Uh, my song went viral in the anime community first because I served them a high quality song with authentic love for the anime it's based on, uh, upon, and also simultaneously allowed for collaborative creation through the trend. When TikTok made it a super trend by posting it on the discovery page, I was shocked. That was the moment I really started to realize this song was going to take me to another level. His trend views have since reached the millions and continues to rise at a fast rate. Agbola Alawoya, 20 from Brooklyn, New York, was a fan of the JoJo pose challenge and became one of its participants. I tend to pose uh, I tend to post anime-related memes, posts, and TikToks. I also participate in anime groups as much as I can and interact with folks there. Alawia has had anime-related memes that have gone viral. While reflecting on the role anime has had on his life, Alawia says that it provided nothing but comfort, excuse me, for him when he was younger. Now I just appreciate the fact that no matter what I watch, I could always find something to relate or connect to, whether it's the story, the ideals, or the characters themselves. Like Alawia, Kyle Williams from Brooklyn, New York, has also gone viral on social media because his anime content. What makes me feel connected with anime is how I could relate to a character and I have the same traits, which puts me at a deeper level with that person. While the presence of Black fandom continues to rise on social media, fans like Noiru remind us that the connection between Black people and anime have always been present. The relationship between Black people, hip-hop, and anime is not new. For some reason nowadays, people act like the anime medium just came out of nowhere, and the influences of Black culture, uh, the hip-hop aesthetic and rap started in like 2014. People like uh, Najabes literally uh, pioneered these links with his musical creations that combined hip-hop, jazz, smooth, some synth, and traditional Japanese music. He almost single-handedly created the lo-fi hip-hop genre. Even as far back as the 80s, with movies like Akira, you could see the influences of hip-hop culture, of hip-hop black culture. You can purchase merch from Otaku Central here at otakucentralnyc.com bigcartel.com. So that just gets us into, you know, further into the influence that anime has had on Black people and the influence that Black people have had on anime. 
aka Japanese culture, aka Northeastern Asian culture, that includes K-pop because the animes that they draw are anime as well. And and the music that they're doing in K-pop, K-pop didn't take off until J-pop took off. And so let's just be real about it. I make um, J-pop music. I just made my first original Japanese song called Love Slut, now available on YouTube, um, uh, with Isla or Isla, whatever she goes by these days. Um, and uh, I also uh, do anime covers. So I've done the Smile Bomb cover uh, intro for Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, I've done a cover that's on my YouTube. I've done a cover of Fukai Mori from Inuyasha, the opening that everyone knows. Um, I did covers to the theme, the soundtrack of um, the game, uh, Kingdom Hearts Game Saga. So yeah, it is something that is built very well deep in my bones. But, you know, many people have been told, just like that article read, you know, you can't dress up like this person because you're black or you're this or you're that. And I've known a lot of people who have run into, you know, those kinds of troubles because they are black um, in the fandom. And even when I went to my first and only anime convention that was in person before, it was the last one right before COVID started. It was, I could tell that a lot of, you know, white people weren't feeling me when I was there and I wasn't even dressed up like anybody people thought I was though because I looked so good but um (laughs) but yeah I don't know it's just crazy to think that you went all the way to a concert and that these people are literally making music that literally takes from it's a recreation of black music let's just call it what it is it's a recreation of black music like it's either Black American music or it's Afro um, Afro beats and Afro music and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff from Africa and stuff like that. Like it's ridiculous. Like there was just that recent situation where um, um, Iniko, I believe is her name, Iniko, um, I-N-I-K-O just recently had her song stolen like um within the past year by this chinese tiktoker he might have been korean he literally just like took her song that she created and like covered it but didn't call it a cover touted it like it was his own made this grand like debut of the song and everything in the stadium and like it was another one of those Charlie, whatever the fuck her name is, situations where, you know, that, um, was it Demelia or something? Demilio? The, the white chick who ended up getting popular and is now basically a celebrity because of, um, her, um, awkwardly, you know, weirdly, um, contortedly doing a dance that a black girl made up. And the black girl did not get credit and she did not give the black girl credit. It's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. And now this girl's got like 
an an HBO or a Hulu series or something uh, into her life and shit. Because she's yet another white girl with money who comes from money, you know? When she literally got famous stealing a dance from a black girl. Like, seriously. You can't make this stuff up. Like, they just do this shit consistently. Consistently. It's crazy. They're stealing shit left and right. And now, and, and you can even incorporate entire genres of music with that theft, you know? Like, I mean, honestly, like, you know, let's talk about, like, Northeastern Asians being the new colonizers. Mm. Mm Mm-mm-mm. It's just crazy. It's just like, you know, and this guy snubbing these black girls at this concert, not wanting to touch their hands. Were you scared you're going to get, the black was going to rub off on you? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. It's like, not only was she in the front seat at your concert, so she paid good money and you treated her like that. But this is a fan who saw you as her favorite singer for some reason, even though you're pretending to be everybody else's favorite singer. And like, it's not even just that. It's also the fact that you are literally up there on that stage singing our music in your, you know, contorted way. And and you don't even want to touch the people who are making it possible for you to have the money that you have because they're giving it to you. And then on top of all of that, if that weren't enough, like, you've got the fact that Black people have never done anything to you. Black people have not done anything to Korean people, Asian people. You know what I'm saying? White people are the ones who came over and colonized shot asses over there in Japan. Over there in um, all these other places. You know what I'm saying? All over the world. We never colonized you all. But you all have a problem, and it's not all of them. But people have a problem. Culturally, you have a problem with black people and it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and it's ridiculous because it's like we've supported you all for so long like not only the Chinese restaurants everywhere in the hood but the anime all over your kids screens and the kids screens for generations since the 60s we are the main people who have been making anime popular bit by bit year by year And then white people, they're not even, you can't even say nothing about them, you know, and say that they weren't, they're claiming something that's not theirs because they do draw themselves, draw these animes to be like white people. Aigavolt. And I just want to make the correction. I'm completely uh, apologetic for making this misstep and mistake. Um, and Nico, the artist whose music was stolen, uh, is uh, a person who goes by they and them pronouns. I'm fairly certain, so I want to respect that. Mm-hmm.